0: hey hey what's up warriors welcome to authentic influence live and today we are talking about how to launch a successful online product with stephanie smith and uh, i'm just gonna welcome steph to the show all the way live from where are you right now steph
1: (laughs) uh near san diego actually
0: right on okay so in san diego um i've got an uncle out there so i have got to go visit him at some point but um that's uh gives me a reason to go so that that's awesome and now that i know you're there that's another reason so here we go um so we're talking about how to launch a success a successful online product i'm going to give you uh just a quick bio um for those of you don't know who steph is um if you're on twitter you've probably seen a lot of her content and uh, that's how i find out, found out about steph uh, so essentially steph has been working remotely for over three years as a growth marketer a writer and indie maker uh, she spent three years at top tower um, most recently leading their publications team so she knows all about managing team members and things like this and content schedules uh, and is now the head of trends which is a newsletter at the hustle uh, also, a really popular newsletter um, that, that's out there on, in, in the market. Um, she's a self-taught developer and creates projects online for fun, including sites like... E- how, do you, how do you say that? Is that Inoa? Inoa,
1: you know, yeah. Yeah, Enoa. it's kind of a strange word.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, and her recent book, Doing Content. Right. So uh, I've just been following the, the progress and journey... Uh, of the, the ebook and and I've, I've purchased the ebook read the ebook it's it's tremendous um, and as a content writer i'm sitting there going yes 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 uh, we're going to cover things like distribution frameworks and seo and and these sort of things which i've been raving on about to people and and they look at me and go what the hell are you talking about um, but i know like you're like a, a prime case study of someone who gets it and who knows how to implement some of those theory, theories and concepts so i wanted to Really bring you in here to teach some of our audience about um, just some of the things that you've been doing, and just share your work and you know some of the, the insights you've had from starting a blog uh, and then turning that into what it's become, and, and the opportunities that have come from that. You know, as someone who's been writing and uh, making things. So, welcome to the show, Steph.
1: Thanks so much for having me, and thanks for such a nice intro, and of course for buying the book as well. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so let's start there. So you launched the book. When did you the actually uh, first, uh, I guess, promote the book or, or let people know that that was coming?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, it actually first started over a year ago with an outline and I was just going to write a blog post on my my blog at the time of like, you know what, I had started my blog earlier in 2019. It had grown super quickly. So mid year I was like, well, wow, like, uh, you know, maybe I should actually, and lots of people want to do the same thing. Create a, a blog post about it, but I got overwhelmed because the outline itself was like thousands of words. I was like, man, if I'm going to actually write this, it's gonna take a lot of work. So I kind of, I think I was busy at the time. I ended up kind of tabling it. And then I basically um, rediscovered it more recently. And I think this was a couple months ago. And I just was, I just tweeted it out because I was like, really, if I'm gonna go and complete (laughs) this, you know, outline this many thousands of words, it's gonna be a lot of work. And so I tweeted it and was like, look, would people pay 10 bucks for this? And a lot of people said yes. And actually a lot of people said um, they pay more for it. And so that's um, how it started. And I think that was in the summer and then uh, ended up spending two months or so uh, cleaning it up and getting it out there. And then um, I think it was launched in September.
0: That's incredible. Uh, And so from September until I think the most recent stat was uh, I read it out earlier. um, You've had over 1,000 sales. and you've just like gradually so something that that really stood out to me and and mainly because i uh, i essentially work with my clients to produce customer case studies and and success stories and, and and put those out and use those as a device for marketing right and i've been ranting on the podcast here and and like to all my people Case studies, use case studies, use social proof. This is the thing that <clears throat> that's very very important in today's world. Uh, trust has become, uh, you know, it, it's a lot of people are not trusting what they see online, right? So this is becoming a huge um, pandemic, other than the other pandemic we're going through. Uh, and so, you know, can you just talk a little bit about how you've been able to 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 use, I guess, social proof in in um, really growing not only your blog but the newsletter and and also you know just in, in all the things that you're doing
1: yeah i think you're completely right that i mean this is one of the lessons from the book is that especially in certain areas that are low barrier to entry which are things like writing uh that just a lot of people because it has such a low barrier to entry are entering that market and want to be successful which just means there's a lot of competition and there's many ways that you can stand out in any industry but one of them is always being you know that much further ahead in that industry or having that much more experience in that industry. And so one of the things that I think helped me um, before I even get into some of the marketing stuff is just the fact that um, many people who write ebooks about content or marketing uh, maybe don't actually have that much experience doing that. But I came in with several years of actually getting paid as an expert to do that. I led teams that did this. And so I really came in and knew that there was like a level of content that I could uh, provide to people. From that expertise, and then from there, it was all about like how do you communicate this? So, for example, um, there was little things like you mentioned. You know, I've sold over a thousand copies. Like using that um, to like that's like front and center on the page. As soon as I had a table of contents that was ready and super thorough, like I s- slapped that on the page. I really, really leveraged an affiliate program so that basically people who trusted me, who liked the product, and I thought other people would like it actually did a lot of the selling for for me, which helps because, um, you know, often when you sell something yourself, it's hard for people to garner whether you're legitimate or not. But if other people are selling for you, I think that adds that level of social proof and there's, you know, endless other things that you can add to that, but it is really important that you come from a place of expertise, um, before you go and create something. And then yeah, you, you go and figure out how do I communicate this expertise, whether it's on the landing page, whether it's through the marketing assets, whether it's through doing events like this, Um, But you do need to come from a place of expertise um, because you can't really differentiate if you are kind of just like the average of what everything else out there
0: yeah and there's really great i think there was an inf- infographic or something that you tweeted recently which was like um the journey to become an overnight success is really you know it's not what it, well, was it again it's like it's not a, uh
1: yeah it was meant to be a joke and it's so funny yeah. that some people took it very seriously <laughs> <laughs> but it was meant to be a comment i think it was something along the lines of like how to sell a product overnight like Build an audience for years, and it was actually meant to be a joke. That's why it had like an upside down smiley at the end. But it's so funny because many people, I had so many people be like, "Oh, but like, when do you know when it's time?" And like, you know, how like how do you actually build up an audience for that many years? And I'm like, okay, like this is just meant as a comment of like basically most of the people that you see that are successful, whether it's online or otherwise, have a way longer story than you realize um, of them hacking away at whatever they're doing um, and. That trajectory, you only see, again, like a sliver of it. And so it's so funny when you see people selling stuff online. Even myself, like this book was really a culmination of several, several, several years and projects that made me nothing, that um, built up an audience of people who were like, huh, I'm interested in the story. I want to like get along for the ride. And then eventually when I found the right product that, you know, was something that people wanted then I started to kind of reap the rewards but even if you look at my story and you didn't know all those things prior you'd be like oh this is an overnight success and it certainly wasn't.
0: Yeah we see that a lot I mean in all the I don't know whether the Hollywood stars or their musicians and they go you know before they were the Beatles they were literally at it for decades you know before people knew who they were um, and there's a sort of a combination of different um, there's timing but then there's also luck and there's other things you know networks that you've built and all these things so let's get into that um we're going to run through a couple of questions that uh sort of front in mind the first one is like how, how did building in the open contribute to the success of the book and I know you're someone who's like likes to share openly about your journey and I love mm-hmm. that about what you're doing so yeah let's talk about, about a bit about that Steph
1: yeah so I think the first thing to mention about building in the open is it You can only do it if you truly understand. If you ever heard of Derek Siver's concept of ideas versus execution, you can only really build in the open successfully and like without restraint if you really believe in that concept of execution being worth. Significantly more than your ideas and that your ideas really aren't that special most likely And so if you understand that and you can really internalize that then when you share in the open You kind of lose the barriers that many people uh, have So for example many people don't want to build in the open because they're afraid people will steal their ideas Well, if you think your ideas are actually not that special and all that matters is your ability to execute them Then it doesn't matter if you share your ideas or your pro- even your process because you know that you will continuously be Executing successfully, moving forward. So I kind of came to this conclusion around two years ago when I started building in the open, um, and was just like, you know what, like I can either go and create stuff in, you know, behind closed doors, and then one day tell the world that this stuff is ready or I can bring them along for the ride. And that's kind of the analogy that I like to give where um, I actually got this from Sam, the founder of The Hustle, where he says that basically if uh, if your car breaks down, people are more likely to help you push your car if you're already pushing it, right? They see that you're putting in this effort and they want to go help you, right? Versus you, let's say, work on a project behind the scenes and then one day you decide to launch it. And guess what? Like crickets because no one has been pushing your car with you, right? Like no one wants to be a part of that story, at least not at that point. And I actually discovered this, or I had like the first inkling of this when I created my first project ever, which was pretty much like not successful at all, but it was a project I created after learning to code and I tweeted about it and it actually got a bunch of likes and retweets because I think Product Hunt retweeted it. But I basically, the, the tweet copy was something like, just taught myself, uh, or I learned to code over the last couple months, just launched my first project, it's Nomad Hub, blah, blah, blah. And all of the comments were not like, oh, this is a great product, like, <laughs> so I'm glad you built it, or just signed up. Like, it was all about, oh, you learned to code, like, how do I do that? Or like, what courses did you take? Or, I really want to do the same thing, how did you do this alongside your job? And I just realized that people are, you know, we're we're social creatures and we're interested in, again, being a part of other people's stories, instead of just, you know, hearing about something that's a success at the end of that story, right? Imagine watching a movie and you just like, you show up for like the climax. You're like, oh, that's kind of nice, but like what happened before? And so <laughs> I think that was my kind of a little bit of an aha moment that I built up or, or understood more later um, in that, again, people are interested in getting to know the story, being part of the process. And then after that, I just started opening everything up and it's been it's worked for me super well.
0: Yeah, and I think that what's coming up for me in this journey, and I guess for some of our listeners would be, but Steph, I don't want everyone to know exactly what I'm doing, and you know, maybe I'm still working it out, and I don't want to come across as someone who's not the expert. You know, I'm still uh, that part of me that goes, it has to be perfect. It's got to be, you know, uh, the imposter syndrome's kicking in, right? How do I deal with that? So, so what's your kind of um, your process around managing that?
1: Yeah, so I'll go back to the car analogy in that um, I think a lot of people, when they think of building in the open, they think of like, because there are certain people that do this, it's like people who are just sharing their revenue numbers, and like, oh, like, made more this month, and then more in this month, and like, if anything, I think a lot of those people um, maybe do build up followings, but I do think it comes off as a little um, self-absorbed or fake, or I do some of this stuff as well, so I'm not trying to hate on them, but I think the point that I'm trying to get across is if you if I bring up the car analogy again, um, you can have someone help you push your car if your car never breaks down, right? If your car is like zoom in, uh, you probably don't need people helping you. But the idea here is that um, people like getting involved. People, for example, they root for underdogs. They like getting involved in stories that they can support, that they feel like they're a part of. And if you're always successful and you always seem like you know exactly what you're doing, then um, you're actually probably going to be less successful building in the open. And so it does It does take kind of like a mindset shift to, to go from like, oh, I really want people to think of me as like put together and to know what I'm doing. But once you get past that, that's kind of like an internal decision for you to like be cool with that. And then um, I actually, from my experience, have found that people are more willing to help you when you're a little more vulnerable, you're a little more um, personable, like you're human online, who's going and creating stuff and who finds certain things interesting. And you're kind of like sharing parts of your personality through the process. And so that's why I think it's worked really well for me. And that's why I, I say that you can, you know, just go and post your revenue numbers or or things like that. But that is just a little more, I don't know if it's like um, clinical or like, it's it's just more cold and and really the the point of building the open is bringing people in
0: yeah i agree with that and i think uh, the example of the hustle as a, as, a, as a media publication is, is a really great one because it's such infused with personality it makes you feel like you're listening to your buddy talking to you sam's done a tremendous job with that and the team of course uh and i think that's a really anyone who hasn't read it or or know what i'm talking about what we're talking about go check out the hustle and also check out trends um, which is the publication that steph works on Um, so uh, love that love that okay so now we go from okay we're building out in the open um, and then can you just talk us through like the journey of you know starting the blog and building that audience because i know a question that's already coming to me when i started sharing that i was going to interview you was you know can you still start a blog in 2020 and be relevant? Can you still like you know this in in your book you talk about like the the numbers are staggering like how many people are posting online yeah, every day and, and these sort of things. All right so so let's talk about you know your thoughts on that like can you start a blog now and be successful um and then how do you stand out you know in in that market or industry that you're you're talking to?
1: yeah so you kind of helped me answer the first question by saying how do you stand out which is really the question you should be asking because if you were to say so actually to give some perspective Years ago, I wanted to start a blog because I think a lot of people want to start a blog. It's just like a mechanism for you to like share your thoughts. And at the time I had the same question, like, should I start a blog? There's so many out there. Like, what really can I provide that isn't already online? At the time, not that much is the answer. Um, and so at that time, it probably didn't make sense for me to start a blog. However, just because there's a lot of competition in a space, like whether it's blogs or startups, doesn't mean that there's never room for more. Um, and so it's kind of like the same question as asking like, should, is there room to start a startup and like look around there's definitely room to start a startup because there's a lot of problems still up to be solved either new problems because obviously our world evolves and new problems crop up or actually something that most startups actually uh, address is existing problems that are just done better right so like uber you know a better version of transportation for people and so the question then becomes basically the same thing for blogs it's like can i address a current problem something that people want to learn about through the written word or experience through the written word can i either address a new problem so maybe a new topic Um, That people aren't addressing, but I will caveat that that's really hard to find because it's so saturated. Like, people, there's people writing about literally anything you can think of. But the more approachable way that you can actually win or like be a part of this and still succeed, even if you're starting in 2021, is finding that. What exists now that I can actually be even just 1% better at? And better with writing can mean many different things. So, for example, you could be more deeply researched. The hustle has more of a unique tone, a friendly tone. Some people find the hustle super funny. So, compared to other businesses like newsletters, that is actually what we're better at. Even though it seems trivial, it's something that people care about. Um, you can be um, directed at a different niche of, of individuals you can be more visual. One newsletter that I really like is called Charter. And all they did is they're basically like every other tech in this newsletter, they've got a decent voice, but really it's, they're more visual. They've condensed, you know, some really interesting information into infographics and that's what they're better at. And so it sounds um, almost like too simple for it to to be the case, but you can start something in 2020 or 2021 as long as you find your differentiator. And the final thing I'll say is the one example that I always like to give, which is not a content product, but the same things ring true across different types of products in that Costco did this exact same thing where they basically entered like a super saturated market, which is general retail with many, many longstanding players. And they are winning at least like they're one of the best, you know, general retail companies because they found one thing that people care about, which was cost. And they actually just, they're like, this is going to be our differentiator. And we're actually going to sacrifice a lot of other things to get there. So for example, Costco, like hard to get to stores, They feel like factories, you never get customer service, um, you have to buy huge package sizes, all this stuff that, you know, if you were to work in general retail, if you were starting, you'd have like this list of, you know, maybe 10 or so things that customers judge you on. Now, Costco was like, we're going to ignore all of these things and actually be kind of horrible at some of these things so that we can be (laughs) much better at one thing that we know at least some people care a lot about, which is cost. So, to that note, it's the same question as you're starting a content business, like, what is you know, an audience that I know exists that I want to address, what problems do they want solved? And even if they're being solved now, can I do this more effectively than whatever exists today?
0: Yeah, I, I, I love the Costco example. And I w- we were there two weeks ago and I'm just there going, there is no such thing as customers.
1: <laughs> right, exactly. Uh, you can't even can't find them if you wanted to. Yeah. <laughs>
0: But we're still here and we're still buying $100 worth of stuff. So, you know, it, it's obviously working exactly. as well. <laughs> and you're, put, you're just spot on. Um, so let's uh, sort of go from there into some of the, like someone's watching this and they're going, great, Steph. I'm building the audience. I've got the knowledge. You know, I've got expertise in the domain that I'm speaking about or writing about. Uh, how do I turn that into a digital product and what should I sort of look out for plan in in the the launch phase or or getting that you know the first buyers so what are some of the things that went through your mind in your process
1: yeah so I think when people think about products um, it often comes from a place of like oh I want to go make money and when you come from that perspective I'm not saying that you can't be successful from that perspective but I think you're asking the wrong questions because then you're just trying to see like Oh, what do I think people will buy? Not what problems do people have, and then even tied to that, you know, there's a lot of problems that exist out there today that I, for example, cannot solve for people, or I could solve, but maybe not to a great, you know, a high degree of competency. Um, So instead, the place that I think people should start is actually asking yourself the question, um, like what some people use the term like personal monopoly, like what am I better at, or what do I know better, or understand better, or have spent more time on than you know, 95 or 99% of the population, um, because as so long as that's something that, you know, <laughs> enough people care about, or there's a cohort of people that also care about that thing, whether it's like learning to code, learning to cook, learning to write content uh, online effectively, um, there's likely going to be, if you care about it, some group of people who also care about that thing. And if you've spent more time than them, I like to imagine it as a spectrum where, Anything, like if you imagine one end of the spectrum is like you have spent zero time with that thing and the the far end of the spectrum is you are the absolute best in the world. You do not need to be the best in the world to help anyone to the left of you of that spectrum, right? So even if you're 75% of the way, anyone who has spent less time than you on that likely can benefit from your expertise. So that's where I think people should start is not with this concept of like, what product can I create? Or like, what do these people want? It's like, what do I know super well that um, a good question that you can ask, for example, is what, given that I know today, would I have wanted five years ago, like if, and and you know that people are most likely going to be in a similar spot than you were five years ago, right? If you spent five years, for example, for me learning digital marketing, there are people who are at the start of that curve so that's the question that i would encourage people to ask and then from there you're in a much better place to be well equipped to be like oh should this be like an information product a community product a physical product how do i launch this what community should i actually target um all those things kind of come from understanding something super super um well because you've spent a lot of time with it
0: yeah I, I completely resonate with that and i feel that um you're right it's not about what going to make me money it's it necessary like that's not the first thought it, it has to be what's a problem that i'm solving and how do i solve it uniquely or differently to others that might be doing that because you know you're you're in a space we're both in the content marketing space and there are gazillion content writers there are gazillion you know blogs on the topic there's some tremendous books that are already out there you know and you launched a new book in 2020 coming into that space and did well so it's like well there's there's an opportunity here um and there still is right and i remember. Uh, sam being interviewed on I think Mixergy, and, and andrew asked him you know why did you choose to launch a newsletter um when you did right uh in startup tech and in that world whatever the world is uh and he just went because i felt i could do it differently you know and and that's that's really what it was so um now in the book you talk about this dis- a dis- or you share a distribution framework can you just um one of the questions i commonly get is how do i up here in all the places? How do I like do that and not go crazy because I'm just so stretched in terms of how to distribute effectively? Um, and what are your, so you share a framework in the book. Can you share, uh, talk a little bit about, you know, how you do it and, and how you've learned to, to do it for the newsletter and, and different publications you work on?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So the framework that I use, I think it, if you're, I'm referring to the same thing, it's, it's this like explore and exploit technique, which um, is actually like, I didn't invent those terms, it's actually from computer science, but, um basically it's this concept where um, at any given time you have the the question do i spend more time on what i know or what is the like missed potential opportunity on something that i don't know right and this like isn't just with things like distribution this is like do i go to a new restaurant or do i go to a restaurant that i know is like pretty good but then there may be some missed opportunity of something even better so with channels it's the same question of how do i find channels that serve me super well that I can double down on uh, while still keeping an open mind to what I may not even know, right? If you think about it like a global or uh, a local minimum or maximum, you want to continue testing so that you're not just at your local maximum but your global, you find your global maximum. So the way that you do this or the way that I encourage people to do this is, um, especially if you're um, targeting communities, Communities are just relationships. And so if you just go, imagine if you're trying to make a bunch of friends and you went and you spent five minutes with, (laughs) you know, a thousand people. Well, you wouldn't really have gotten very far. Um, Versus if you just spent your whole year with one person, you also won't get very far. So you've got to balance. And the way that I encourage people to balance it is do things in cohorts, right? Within the given time that you have um, to test channels, you start with, for example, and you can kind of again curate this to your bandwidth and your needs. But like you start with three channels and you test them out and you set a time period to say, I'm going to test these out for two months and then I'm going to compare them. And I'm going to see like how much time are these channels um, taking me? Am I getting more traction on one or the other? And then you make the active decision and you can also set goals beforehand to like, to, to make the decision easier as well. But you make the decision, you know what, these two are serving me clearly, or maybe one of them's definitely serving me. One of them, I need more time. And one of them really just, you know, doesn't seem to be my right audience. So you, You table it and then you have a rolling structure um, to basically explore new channels and then you exploit the ones that really are working and at some point you'll probably get to a point where you have a decent you know let's say like three channels that are really working for you you don't need 20 um, and you just really focus on exploiting those Um, if you a really good book that i would recommend is this book called algorithms to live by that talks about using this explore exploit Framework for not just things like this, for anything from like dating, uh, which sounds a little again like clinical or or something that some people would disagree with, but they're literally like it's a similar idea where it's like how do you know when to settle down with someone, right? It's like oh well, you go and you you go and like you play the field and figure out what you like and what you want and what's working for you, what's working for other people, and then at some point you decide you know what I I I've, I've seen what I need to see, and the same thing is true with ch- true with channels where eventually you'll get to a point hopefully where you're like you know what these like. Twitter really works for me, for example. And so I spend a lot of time on Twitter. But it took time. to Is it Twitter? Is it Facebook? Is it TikTok? Is it Instagram? took time to figure that out. And that's why you do it in this kind of rolling cohort basis at the beginning where you're exploring. And then slowly over time, you want to shift more of your effort from the exploration to the exploitation of what's working for you
0: so can you just break down what you're actually doing on twitter so i know some people listen to this and they go okay i want to start an audience whether it's tiktok or wherever it may be um but what what is it if you have to break it down in percentages right like how do you allocate your time um on the platform okay so people go okay i'll get the three channels i get them, i'm going to allocate maybe two months per channel and i'm going to work it out and, and, and table it now how do i actually go and utilize that you know and what I see a common mistake people make is they're using it as a broadcast channel. So, so they just go in and they just keep posting things and check out my blog, check out my blog. Check, and there's no, th- th- that's not, to me, that's not building community. And then they wonder why isn't anyone, anyone buying when I launch the product? So yeah. Uh, yeah, what have you learned about that?
1: Yeah, so the, the way I like to think about it and I encourage people to think about it is to your exact point, people will use Twitter or any of these channels and they'll just like, have it just be like a constant promo feed or they won't get to know the channel at all in terms of like how people act on that channel. But more importantly, the question becomes, especially with a type of channel um, like Twitter where people follow you versus something like a community where it's more of a communal thing, um, you just ask yourself the question like, would I follow me? Right? Like if I'm providing any value, this kind of brings us back to this idea of differentiating and being significantly better in one area um, and actually having people know you for something. So for example, on Twitter, I tweet about a lot of things now um, because I also see um, social networks as kind of, again, like a relationship. So if you think about when you make a friend somewhere, you normally start and you meet them at like, for example, like a meetup or through a mutual friend, there's like some sort of like core seed that you bond over. And then you bond over the thing and someone gets to know you for that thing and then you become friends and then over time it kind of like spirals into more things well the same thing is true on social channels where you have to ask yourself a like would i follow myself and you know would therefore would other people want to follow me and as part of that you should probably think about like what's my thing like what what do people or what do I want people to think of me for? For me at the beginning, it was stuff like I, I had been working remotely for a long time before the whole world kind of was forced into it. <laughs> so I tweeted about a lot of that kind of stuff. I tweeted about learning to code. I had very like concrete things that fit together and people started to get to know me for. And then again, now if you view my tweet or feed, you'd be like, what's up? You don't talk about remote work at all. But the idea is that, again, you can expand later, but really focus on like, why would someone follow me? Um, whether it's Twitter or elsewhere and focus on that at the beginning and just be honest with yourself. Again, just like literally ask yourself, would I follow an account like this? And if not, figure out how you become the type of account that you want to follow.
0: Yeah. That's a really good example. Cause if you, if you're already, most people are already following some kind of account somewhere. So what makes you follow that? I know in the book, you talk about even just analyzing three newsletters and, and looking at, you know, what if you, if you, uh, yeah, if you, what differentiate newsletter if you take away the technology and whatever it may be and just look at the content or the way that you know there's, there's a reason why you subscribe, right like and there's a reason why we unsubscribe from from newsletters right? exactly
1: um, and it's the same with twitter right there's a reason why you you click that follow button you see so many prof if you are active on twitter you see hundreds of profiles every single day somewhere on your feed right and like what is just think about like every time you go and follow someone actually go through that exercise of like oh I'm following them because maybe it may be as simple as I see them everywhere but more likely it's like oh they like last couple tweets were really really clever or like I really have been looking for someone who talks about this really difficult topic in a nuanced way or like there's so many reasons why you follow someone and to your point why you unfollow someone and it's you know the same thing with newsletters same thing with products that you buy and stop buying um really go through the exercise of understanding why you have taken that very concrete step either direction and what you can learn from that and why someone why would someone take that step for you yes or no and if it's a no then like how do you get there how do you basically become the type of people that you're very interested in interacting with
0: I'm just going, whoa, okay, love it, love it. <laughs> <laughs> So I'm looking at your website. So for those who have not seen Steph's site, I recommend you go head over to stephsmith.io uh, and you can connect with her there. She's also on Twitter at stephsmith.io. Oh, sorry, at stephsmith.io. Um, and something I noticed on the bottom of your website on the homepage is, you know, join 3,902 readers staying updated on topics spanning who might work leading to code and productivity. So they're obviously the three pillars um, of um, or, or areas that you focus on and, and the very consistent with what you just said in terms of what you've been sharing on twitter um now when you first launched the blog and and you didn't have three thousand readers so what did you have as the the invitation for people to join and sign up it's a
1: great question i'm trying to remember because i don't want to like lie or, or say something that wasn't actually true i think i think it was just like simple marketing copy of like i think one thing that i've always done Uh, relatively well, even when I didn't have a a big following, was just be like super honest about what people are going to get. So I think early on, it was like, I've always used copy, like no spam. You'll only hear from me when you need to hear from me. I think that's always helped a little bit. Um, And I've had, so I have obviously invested in distribution of my stuff as well. um, But I've had a lot of my articles be shared by other people. And I think that also comes from this. Like, for example, one of my very first articles uh, early on was um, this guide to remote work that's not trying to sell you anything. And that one got shared around a ton, even though I only had like, you know, maybe 50 subscribers or something, because people were like, we've been looking for this. Or like so many people talk about remote work in such a way that it's like, it is trying to sell something or there's some nuance or some agenda behind it and this didn't have it. So that's another, that's an example of a differentiator, at least at the time. And so I think I just use, I've always just focused on super honest direct copy Because I recognize that I'm in a space where, you know, it is competitive writing online and doing content and marketing and some people are very scammy with their marketing and so you can actually stand out by actually, you know, pushing the other direction with that.
0: Yeah, I think that's, like, really a clever strategy and just... Coming from the space of I just want to help people, <laughs> you know, it's, it's just like yeah. this is my experience. I've been a nomad for a number of years and this is, you know, the things we learn. We hate the whole visa challenge every time you go to a different country. Uh, we got to, you know, these are the things that you got to consider, you know, where to stay, how do you find a place to rent, all these things, right? Um, how do you work when you're sitting by the beach or your laptop? Is that even a real thing? Um, so it, I, I love that. You're just transparent, and, you're, and you basically, like you say, you articulate clearly uh, what is it, what's the reason to sign up for the newsletter? Because on the on the flip side, what I've seen other people do is literally uh, the, the the copy says sign up for my newsletter, but it doesn't say why. Right? It's like exactly. It's
1: just... <laughs> You got to think about where your user is, right? When they're thinking of signing up for any newsletter or any sort of online content, it's like, they know that there's a lot of stuff out there that they don't want to be subscribed to and they're already overwhelmed by the amount of information that's, that they have accessible to them. And you just have to think like, why, why would they make the decision to incorporate my stuff into their, their lives? Like it's their time it's valuable. And we're also allergic now to, you know, this stuff online that wastes our time or, drains us or is incorrect. And you just have to think from that perspective of like, okay, again, similar to what we were saying about Twitter, how do I create something that people actually want to engage with? And then how do I make it super clear what this value is to your point about like the copy on the form of like, this is actually what you're going to get. Don't use like vague copy, like subscribe because no one wants to subscribe to anything. It's like, here's what I provide. You can opt in or you can not. Um, But here's very clearly what you will get if you're interested.
0: So you've been working with the hustle and now uh, with trains for a while now uh Mm -hmm. what would you say are some of like the key uh, insights or things that you might have learned that you weren't aware of when you first joined in terms of newsletter production and and growing an audience or or keeping them um, engaged
1: yeah it's a great question i think um it was definitely super different for me well so i actually led a publications team at top so that was one experience like it kind of corporate like running this stuff for a company and then I've done it on my own and then now I'm back doing it for a company but the difference between trends and anything I'd ever done in the past is this that is a paid subscription and it's we're at this interesting uh, inflection point where I think we'll always have a lot of free content out there Just because, you know, think about supply and demand. Like, there's just so much free content out there. It's hard to charge for things. But trends has really taught me how you can take a very concrete thing that people need. And if it is concrete enough and differentiated enough, then you can basically, again, like, pass this inflection point where people will pay for it. And they'll pay a lot if it really addresses their needs. So the example with trends is, like, there are so many people in the world who want to go build their own company or are building their own company or are investing in companies. And there's not that much information online that helps them do that in, again, a no agenda way. Right. Um, We're not trying to sell them stuff. We're not trying to, you know, like we're not an agency that's telling them how to do SEO. We're just saying, hey, here's a bunch of like really interesting ideas based on data. Um, And it's also not news. There's a lot of news out there, but this is like hopefully timeless stuff or actually, if anything, things that will increase you know in in terms of adoption later and so the point that i really really got to got a handle on over the last little bit of being with trends is just how do you really like diagnose problems that people have and if you can really really identify acute problems that's when people are willing to pay and, and actually not just pay but pay a lot for you serving those problems so i think that can be that concept can be utilized um you know outside of you know entrepreneurship but again this idea of like just don't start with what you want to sell right start with who do i want to target what are their problems what do i know super well and that's sam started trends because he knew this space super well and then um i think that's how you'll be most successful and in the case of trends it's been doing so incredibly well because of that it's just like such a clear problem that people are willing to pay for
0: now for those who don't understand what trends is can you just give the one sentence like what sure. about-
1: you know? <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, so it's basically so the the daily email of the hustle is like, uh, you know, tech and business news uh, of people who are interested in basically like what happened in that industry for the day. Now, trends is like the extension of that or like the next step. So if you're interested in tech and business news, you likely are interested in potentially starting your own company. Maybe you work at a tech or, uh, or you work at a tech company, and you you want to know like what's up and coming. Maybe you're an investor, and you want to know what to invest in. Um, so this is not. Some people confuse it with like <laughs> things related to the stock market. It's not stock. It's not related to the stock market at all. It's mostly what is trending. So we use data from like Google Trends, Ahrefs, subreddit stats, like basically any data set that we can get a handle on, and um, parse that data to say, hey, look, like for example, like a year ago, one of our first pieces was like direct to consumer plant subscriptions are taking off and there's not a big player in that market. And actually at least one of the people in our trends group started one of those businesses and has raised millions of dollars. And so there's a lot of success stories because we try to find like very clear opportunities um, in all different types of markets. And we don't help people actually go and take them to market or anything like that. But in addition to the information side of things, we do have a community with now like many thousands of people who are you know, who either, again, want to start businesses or are operators, invest in businesses, etc., And they all kind of work together to help each other actually, you know, go and accomplish those goals.
0: Yeah, that's really cool because I, I can relate to even just before COVID hit and seeing the market shift and looking at well, where were the opportunities, anyone who is a hand sanitizer company, right, did really well, right? It's just kind of like this is the thing. Um, so trends kind of to me is like if you want to know what is happening uh, in the different markets and different niches and whatever it may be. Um, you know, like here, in, like in a, when I lived in the Gold Coast last year in Australia, uh, I, it wasn't until I moved there that I realized, oh, my gosh, there's literally five or six craft breweries here. Like this is taking off big time, All right? And because uh, and I, I started to see people blogging about craft beer. I'm like, what, what's the deal with this thing? And then it's like, okay, this is why, right? Um, yeah. Yeah, really interesting okay so we're going to wrap up the 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 interview i've got a ton more questions for you but i i I want to make sure i get this one in which is and you talk about it a lot in the book which is seo the relationship between seo and content um and 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 you you're really big on that so can you just share maybe one insight or or something that people need to consider when they're producing content on a blog or, or whatever it may be
1: Yeah, so I think I could go on this is like one of my favorite topics to talk about as I guess it's like the biggest section in the book and it is the reason I love talking about it is because um, there is so much bogus out there about SEO and it's really misunderstood and misused as well Um, and the reason I say that is because with any system literally any system whether it's marketing or otherwise people will gamify the system. And that's what happens with SEO. That's why you hear about these agencies that build links and they're horrible, or that you hear of all these black hat tactics. I know SEO super well because I've been paid to do it. So I understand it. um, But I also understand that, again, many people who don't know how to do it just see this like kind of veil of which again exists. It's not necessarily incorrect, but that doesn't mean there's not value in doing SEO effectively. And what I mean by that is, just consider that even today, we're talking about many of the questions that you asked me have really kind of boiled down to this concept of figuring out what people want, right? Or what their problems are. Well, the best database to actually isolate that is Google, right? And for whatever reason, they've decided to share all of this information with the whole world. So Google, biggest search engine in the world. It has trillions of searches every single year. A trillion is the type of number that our brains literally can't really comprehend in terms of scale or magnitude um there's a really great site by the way if you guys just like look up like uh visualizing like uh jeff bezos wealth. that's in the billions and it's just like you just like scroll and you're like oh my god like i really did not i can't compute how big this is so a trillion is even bigger obviously right thousand Mm -hmm. times bigger than a billion and so there's this is so many um data points of literally what people want. Think about when you go to Google, even though it may not be structured like a question, you are coming to Google with a problem that you want solved. Whether it's like, I just spilled wine on my carpet, how do I clean it? Or like, how do I get to this place? Or um, even smaller questions are just like, you you actually searching for a company and trying to get to their site, right? So all of them are like micro problems that again, aren't necessarily structured as questions, but you're telling Google what you want. And then Google, again, for whatever reason, shares all this information with us. And now we can, as either content creators or actually, I think SEO research is a great tool for any entrepreneur to understand because you can literally kind of validate certain ideas based on what people are searching for, right? How many people are actually searching for this? Is it growing over time? Yes or no? What exists currently? Like, how many people are serving this market currently? Um, What are the related queries? So, therefore, you know, this is problem a what are what's problem b c d e that people care about that from problem a and so there's so many things that you can learn and it is a little bit of a learning curve to understand seo in the way that it should be approached but i just think it is this wonderful engine for you to like to to validate things and to understand what the world cares about and then as you understand that you can actually use that information effectively to make your content better because you then have done the research to not just say, like the example that I give in the book is like, let's say you're writing an online plant guide. Well, you can, and maybe you have a ton of experience, so you'll be good at this, but you can guess, okay, people who want an online plant guide probably want these sections in it. Well, what's actually probably more effective is if you look up the query online plant guide or related terms with certain certain tools like Ahrefs or Keywords Everywhere, you can see all of the related queries, how much search volume there is for them, the related queries to that, and you basically get this immediate download of, okay, what do people actually care about when they're Mm -hmm. searching for online plant guide? Is it that people care about what plants to buy? Is it that they care about, you know, how to treat them in the winter or low light? Do they care about like what soil to buy? What, um, there's so many questions that like relate to that topic. And again, you can hypothesize what people are looking for or you can just use SEO data to actually show, oh, this is exactly what people want. And then you can also not just use the data from Google, but you can start to look at the stuff that's ranking there, and which Google has validated as stuff that people want, because Google uses user engagement data to validate whether something stays at the top or not. So you're basically going through this again, where I think often, whether it's in entrepreneurship or SEO or otherwise, we like to think that our ideas, um, which relates to our first topic, we have really good ideas, right? So like if I'm writing an online plant guide, I'm like, oh, I totally know what people want. I think we should really, or I would encourage people to be a little more humble because I've been proven wrong many times, you have, everyone else has, um, to just realize that maybe we might have intuition and sometimes it is good to pursue your intuition, but at the very least, check out the data and the best data source for Validating what billions of people want with trillions of searches is Google. So that's the, I could go on for a lot longer, but I guess I'll I'll end it there. That I just think if people should learn to use the data properly, and if they do, it is this totally untapped resource for many many creators.
0: Yeah, I I, I can see your passion. <laughs> <And I laughs> love it. Um, we actually had a, an SEO person on a while ago, Kurt, um, who basically talk, took us through hrefs and how he uses it to find um, keywords and, and what people are looking for. So that's a really great tip there, Steph. Uh, now, you've shared a, a gift for our audience here, um, which is a some exercises from the book. Um, can you just run us through what those exercise, exercises are for and, and, and how they can actually, uh, the, our listeners can use it?
1: Yeah. So I just thought, so as part of the book, which again, like people can buy, it, they don't need to buy it. I, I'm not on here to, to market it, but some of the things that we've talked about today are universal whether you're trying to write online or whether you're trying to create any product and it's about figuring out what people want and how current products have done that successfully by differentiating and so the first chapter of the book is this idea of a personal monopoly and and on the way to get there There are, I think the book has more than the five, but there's five key exercises at the beginning where again, you mentioned one of them where you're basically writing down like what are the newsletters that I subscribe to or have unsubscribed to? How would I kind of parse them into an adjective? And then what does that mean, right? Like what's their differentiator? And so I think some of those exercises again are especially good for if you're you're targeting content, but are true if like if you're starting a startup, I would do the exact same exercises, but just swap out newsletter for startup. right and so the first five exercises um you can find at that link and i would just encourage you to go through them regardless of whether you end up you know reading more of the book
0: yeah but i would definitely recommend first of all grab the exercises Uh, i've created a link for this which is simplecreativemarketing.com forward slash steph uh you can go Grab that. It's a PDF. You can go and play with it, use it. And that's the one thing that I remember the first page of your book says don't just read it, use it (laughs) (laughs) Um, with you on that. Uh, And then definitely head over to Steph's site, which is stephsmith.io, and go grab the ebook. Like, I just recommend it. I'm telling everyone, hey, Go go read this thing because you need to understand whether, like you say, whether it's a startup or an existing business trying to launch a new product, or it's just you trying to do your own thing in, in the world out there. Uh, you need to learn these skills, um, and and this is you know it's so important to work out how to dif- differentiate and how do you actually solve real problems. Um, and and I love what you said there about I guess pausing the ego for a moment and assuming that you know everything, <laughs> um, and then going well, let's it's validate. Hard.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. I learned. So one of the best, most formative experiences for me was I was a growth marketer at TopTal during my first year there. And I came in and actually at that time I shouldn't have been confident because I had like very little <laughs> marketing experience. But even then I was like, I think I know what ads will work or what cough will convert or what marketing campaign you know we should be investing in. And I was wrong so often. That was such a great experience for me to be like, oh, I don't actually know what people want and so that for me is why i'm so passionate about things like seo because it's just like look let's yeah let's be humble let's be realistic that often we don't know what you know the seven billion people on this earth want and so as the more that you can get data which is you know we we talked about the book that's why i just tweeted like will people pay for this because i'm tired of trying to like guess what i think it's true, or what people want, and it's just so much easier to just get tangible data that shows something is true or not true.
0: Yeah. So it's it's really yeah. like in one sense it's really simple, and the other sense it's it's really hard. Like people,
1: yeah, <laughs> I <working> know.
0: <laughs> own stuff, you know? <laughs> and as growth marketer, you know, it's all, it's all experiments, it's all testing, it's all putting stuff out there and seeing what works. But there is a, a framework and a structure to it, which you you outline in the book, which I yeah. Really cool.
1: I just want to quickly add, tack on to that, that I think the reason that a lot of people don't get to that headspace is obviously our ego. But it's also that they don't have an experience like that where they can can show themselves that they're wrong. Because when you think about life, you don't operate your life with experiments, right? You're not like, oh, I'm going like, to test out this place for six months and this place for six months and this relationship for six months and this relationship for six months. Like, you don't get that data in normal life. Right. And so you almost have to I mean, I'm sure there's other roles outside of just like digital marketing where you can experience that. But I really think that's just like such an amazing experience to go through something like, you know, your first year on a growth marketing team where you're just like, oh, my God, I'm wrong so often. And so I think that, again, just in normal life, you don't get that experience. And therefore, it's hard to to internalize that because it's just, you know, at odds with your ego.
0: That's a really great point. And we'll just wrap it up there. I want to thank you, Steph, for joining us today, for sharing uh, your experience and your time. I'm going to have to, at some point, bring you back and talk about, let's just jam our SEO. We can get into that. Uh, But, uh, yeah, everyone else, please head over to StephSmith.io, check out Steph's blog, subscribe to her newsletter, um, and then definitely check out the book, which is called Doing Content Right. Um, Thanks again, Steph, for your time and your wonderful English.
1: Thanks so much. All right.
0: Now, just quickly, if you want to check out the show notes for this episode, just head over to simplecreativemarketing.com forward slash podcast, and you can grab all the links and things and resources on there. And also, if you are a conscious entrepreneur, got a professional services business, working B2B, uh, and you've got an interest in building influence and income through showing up, serving others and being real, then I invite you to join my Authentic Influence Warriors Facebook group. Uh, If you want to do that, just head over to simplecreativemarketing.com forward slash community. Okay, thanks for joining in and I'll see you on the next episode.